0: Hi, everyone. This is our first in-between episode, and I want to give a bit of a quick kudos to Alex Curtis for introducing me to that term, because I absolutely love it. It is perfectly quirky. What we're going to do is in this episode, we want to do a really short one and just do some quick five points on mental health and insurance, um, sort like the entire journey and what it means for people who are in that situation and are wondering what they, in a sense, can and can't do. So... In a very first sort like, instance, what is, you know, what was a mental health condition when it comes to insurances? Well, really, it can kind of be anything and everything. I think a lot of people would automatically assume that your things like schizophrenia, um, maybe self-harm or suicide attempts, bipolar disorder would be things that insurers would be really wanting to, to know about. Well, that is true, but there's also other stuff as well. So, you know, even just mild anxiety or depression or stress at work, that is also things that uh, insurers are going to want you to so it's just for them to know a bit more about. And it can sometimes come up as well when people, I think, sorry, at least expect it. So if you have something like irritable bowel syndrome or fibromyalgia, you could be quite, in a sense, when you're doing these applications, quite innocently chatting about your health condition. And then all of a sudden you'll suddenly start getting whammied with a load of questions about your mental health. And it can seem like quite a steep kind of jump um, going from your physical condition to mental health one. And whilst um, Andrew is with me, he'll be able to explain all that kind of thing when he goes into his technical side of things. And whilst it can be frustrating, as I had it for myself as a person and also as an advisor for people, it is something that at the moment that is the way that these applications work. So basically insurers are going to want to know anything about your health, whether that's physical or anything to do with your mental health. And it's not that really that they're wanting to catch you out or anything like that. What they're trying to do is make sure that they understand you as who you are and so that they can then appropriately offer you the right insurances and choose the right pricing based upon what is seen as as the risk based upon your health of you possibly making a claim on the insurances and whilst that may seem such sort of like it, it kind of sounds quite blunt when you say it like that hopefully when we're chatting through this and the rest of the podcast it'll it'll make a bit more sense as to as to why that happens
1: yes as you say catherine is if you apply for life insurance or critical illness or income protection you'll typically get asked between sort of 20 and 30 questions about your medical history and normally about three or four of those will be about your mental health your background of mental health Typically there'll be a question which is a have you ever question and that'll be the most serious kind of incidents of of mental illness in your past. Uh, So it might be things like uh, bipolar um, or hospitalization or suicide attempts. There'll then be questions about if things have happened to you in your last five years and probably then a question about your current mental health. Um, If you say yes to any of those, you can still and in most instances will still be able to get insurance um, and that's a really important point. So answering these questions honestly is always the number one rule because otherwise you risk not being able to claim on the insurance if, if, uh, if that claim event occurs. Um, but also it's really important to say that you, would, you will get asked extra questions if you say yes to any of those, um, which will be about things like your treatment, your, uh, the number of occasions you've had this, how you deal with it when it happens. Um, And then a decision will be made, and that decision might be made uh, by the computer, by the system that's been programmed by underwriters, or it might be referred into an underwriter. Um, But that kind of ongoing uh, conversation between you and the insurer is really important, as Catherine said, to be able to offer fair terms for each individual going through that process. Um, There are quite different sets of questions asked today to what were asked five or ten years ago. Um, so if you've applied before and I guess bluntly been put off by some of the questions I would encourage you to kind of to, to give it another go um, insurers have done more work on mental health questions than any other area over the last few years um, and there are very different questions asked by some different insurers so it is worth um, uh, trying some different insurers and, and using advisors to to find the best insurer for you?
0: So when you do get to the stage where you're applying for the insurance, there's a few options that you can do. You can obviously apply online and do an online journey yourself. That's absolutely fine to do. The only thing with that is that sometimes people can find that they are maybe declined insurance um, if they go down that route because when you're looking at insurers different insurers in a sense like different risks so some insurers are really good for people of certain age groups some people are really good for people who've had heart conditions and some people really good for people who've had cancer in the past and it's true to say that some people are really good some insurers are really good for people that have mental health conditions that's not saying that anybody's you know you know specifically bad it's just that some are generally more accepting of certain stronger mental health conditions than others. So sometimes if you do an online journey, you may find that you hit a bit of a barrier and that can be quite difficult to sort of take on board and to accept as to why that's happened to try and understand why it's happened that way. So if you do use, I'm an advisor, if you do use an advisor like myself, or obviously there's there's thousands in the UK that you can use, um, what they would do is be able to speak to you about your situation and then do the research to be able to find you the right insurer. And there's obviously as well, the option that you could just go straight directly to the insurer as well. But again, that's that kind of thing. Of if you, if you do that without kind of doing lots of research and knowing where to, to sort right of look, you could again, end up finding out that you maybe can't get the insurance without insurer. And it can, it can sometimes be a bit of a blow to your mental health when that happens. So what happens is an application goes through to the insurer and then there's a number of different things. So, you know, if it's something like quite mild anxiety, stress or depression, it could well be that your insurance just goes straight through on the online journey. It may be though as we start getting a little bit more um, into sort of like what would be classed as more recent Um, episodes or stronger conditions it could be that it gets referred to an underwriter now that is somebody within the insurance company who is there to in a sense assess the risk and they've got you know specific Andrew will know it far more than me they've got specific tables that they work on you know in a sense of like well if it's this this and this then it means this is what we can offer xyz and sometimes what's good again with using an advisor is that sometimes we can step in and just find out why certain things are happening or maybe explain the mental health history a bit more than just what you're able to do on select like the black and white forms that you would be able to find yourselves. Then a couple of things can happen after that. The underwriter may turn and say, yeah, this is absolutely fine. No worries. Let's just get the, the insurance in place. There is a few other options though. It could be um, that something known as a tele-interview is arranged and that would be where um, a, a medical professional, usually a specialized nurse would call you and go through the application again. And then their kind of their, their specialty having been medically trained is then in a sense used to kind of, Support your application and for so the insurer can fully and sort of decide as to what to to offer you it may then either further down the line or just instead of the this sort nurse 's interview move to what 's known as a GP report now that would be where the insurer absolutely only with your permission and you have to sign forms to give permission would then speak with your GP and what they do is just the insurer sends a report to your GP it's like a questionnaire GP fills it out sends it back to the insurer and then they get to make that decision there is also potential of specialist reports that may be requested. If you've maybe seen more of a psychiatrist and depending upon the setting of that, it would usually all come from the GP. Again, depending upon the situation, it may seem as a bit grand, but it could potentially be referred to the insurers, what's known as their chief medical officer. And that is the person who makes the the ultimate decision on these things, you know, sort of like the, I think they are the God of the underwriters. If I am um, probably <laughs> right, Andrew, possibly, yeah. maybe not. That's kind of the, kind of the impression that I get, you know, it's, it's there, there's is the, um, there's is the rule, basically, what they say goes. Um, but it's, it's quite unusual, I think, for it to go to anywhere near that kind of a situation when there is something to do with um, mental health in somebody's uh, medical history. It's much more likely that you're going to see a situation where your your decision is either going to go through straight up through online, or it's going to be a case of a GP report that will then go, obviously, to, to the insure. That is That is typically the situation that we would see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess... To be clear, the underwriter's role in this isn't uh, just to make someone applying for insurance's life as hard as possible and to ask them personal and and upsetting questions. Ultimately, the underwriter's role is to make sure that there's enough money in that insurer to pay all the claims that occur. So the underwriter has to try and assess fairly and consistently the risk that you present as an individual compared to all the other individuals they're insuring to get enough money in so that if you claim. That that money is paid. So, what the underwriter does, based on guidelines, which chief medical officers, so experienced um, doctors, will have had significant input to, um, for life insurance, is basically assess the extra any extra risk that um, your condition presents of you dying earlier than someone who hasn't had that condition. that's
0: based upon statistics um, isn't it andrew i was going to say that's based upon long-standing statistics it's yeah. not just insurers randomly saying well we think this it's it's long medical no absolutely it's,
1: absolutely it's based on it's based on medical studies it's important in my view to be honest about the fact that mental health presents specific challenges given problems getting data and the changes in disclosure rates and things like that over the last 10 years. So it's fantastic that people are, are being more open about their mental health, but clearly finding long-term medical studies of, for example, marred anxiety um, is, is a challenge in a way that, um, as I always say, it's, it's almost easier to assess someone who's had a specific stage of cancer than someone who's opening up and telling us about um, their mental health um, to, to match that up. But absolutely, under um, Equality Act legislation, um, any insurer's decision has to be reasonable. Uh, We have to better source how that decision is made um, and and that's absolutely key. As you say Catherine, uh, quite often uh, asking extra questions to an insurer as to how a decision has been made can kind of find out more of that detail. Um, But for for life insurance then simply put it is that ensures uh, research as to the impact of uh, the extra impact on the chance of death. Um, and that does simply put fall into two camps. One is directly due to mental health, so suicide being the main issue there. Um, so it's just worth saying at that point that suicide is covered by almost all life insurance policies in the UK. They'll typically be a first-year exclusion, but after that, life insurance will pay. Um, but also um, for comorbidities uh, with other uh, physical health conditions. Um, and you know, there again, there are, there's plenty of medical research that will show that for certain physical health conditions, those comorbidities do add up. Um, and then I guess the other main product that Catherine and I um, know a lot about is income protection, uh, where mental health is very relevant. And again, there um, we're really looking at the risk of an individual being unable to work due to their mental health. As Catherine said throughout, there's um, you know mental health is, is recognised as a broader category as physical health and so both all the different labels and um, types of mental health condition are treated differently and the different severities of mental health conditions are treated differently by insurers. So that's why those questions are asked, it's why evidence is gained. Um, so it's certainly not the case that they' all that everyone who has experienced any mental health challenge uh, is, is treated in the same way. Specifically on that, I think, um, and specifically for income protection, understanding that uh, anxiety, uh, stress uh, are normal reactions to many events is, is really important. Um, I think I'd go as far as say it is probably the main area where insurers have improved and have got more realistic in the last few years. Um, And so I would expect that there'd be reasonable decisions made around, for example, reactions to bereavement, uh, redundancy, etc. Um, And certainly if there's not, then I think those are the kind of cases where you really should be challenging hard.
0: Absolutely. Um, So I think as well, just be very sort of like clear to people who are listening, who maybe do have mental health um, condition or wondering what's going to happen. So um, as an advisor, what we would be asking you and not in a sort of like this sort of like so abruptly as we'll be hearing on the podcast itself you know it's a much more gentle conversation with chat but you are going to be faced with questions of when you have a mental health condition pretty much any mental health condition you will be asked about whether or not you have had any suicide attempts any self-harm any inpatient treatment and if you've seen a psychiatrist they're just pretty much the standard questions that you're going to see at most insurers. You'll need to know the timeframes of when things were happening, how often things happened. And whilst they are going to be quite difficult to to potentially talk about, it is something that I think is really important to know that you're going to be facing those questions, because I always think that if you know about it, then it's easier, in a sense, to prepare for it. And I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but just that it's, it's easier to be able to prepare for it rather than just suddenly being faced with those questions without any kind of time to come to the terms that you're going to need to discuss certain things if you are wanting these insurances. So the different things that you could potentially see when you get to the sorry, the end stage of these so applications is the actual terms from the insurer. Now, that could be a mixture of a number of different things. So you could have what's known as standard terms or sometimes it's called normal terms. And that, that basically means kind of what it indicates. You know, You are going to get the insurance at the same price and the same terms as anybody else would do who's absolutely got no other health conditions or no other risk factors that the insurer may be looking at. There's then other things where you may have a premium increase. Now, that will be not necessarily, it's not always the absolute, you know, sort of like ridiculously silly prices. I know people sometimes think, oh, well, if they're going to increase my premium, it's just going to be too expensive. That's not always the case because especially with life insurance, the starting premiums are usually so low anyway, that by the time there's a bit of a premium increase there, that whilst it might be frustrating that that's there, it's often still within a lot of, we find, I find in my company that it's still quite manageable premium for a lot of people. Uh, So that would be typically, you'd see that more instead select the life insurance and the critical illness cover side of things. Then on the income protection side of things, you're probably more likely, and I think historically we'll probably see an exclusion, which would be to say that if you're unable to work due to your, um, sometimes it could be any mental health condition, sometimes it's your specific mental health condition, then they won't um, pay out a claim for you, which again, it could be quite frustrating. But when I speak to people, there's kind of a mix, you know, if that happens where people say, oh, well, I, but it could be anything from, well, I don't like the sound of that. No, I don't want it. Or to the, well, I'm not really keen on that. But yes, I want the insurance to other people saying, well, my mental health's never stopped me working before. So why would I be worried about that now? It's fine. So there's a complete different mix. And I think what's important for you, for the listener as well, if you're in this situation, is that with any of these insurers, it's up to you and what you're comfortable with. You know, no, you should never feel pushed into anything. You know, it's if you don't feel happy with something, then even if it's on offer to you, then it doesn't mean you have to take it. You may also come across a situation where there's a postponement. And that could be if there's been something quite recently um, and quite significant um, in your medical history. Then the insurer may say, "Right, look, at the moment, you know, at the moment we can't do anything, but come back in six months, and by that time, you know, provided that you are still in a really good position." we can relook at things. It could be that you may also experience a decline. Now, I always find it very frustrating with declines because it's a case of sometimes you declined insurance and then you just left. And I had it myself with my mental health. I was declined insurance and I was just left with kind of, there you go, you declined. Now, the thing is, is that there are so many options though. And just because one insurer has declined you doesn't mean that every other insurer will. And it's, it's really important if you can not to give up. And you know, it's hard because that decline letter can make you feel that you're not normal. And even though you're trying so hard to be, in a sense, normal, I'm doing little bunny ears here, quote figures, you know, that even though you are trying so hard, it can be a real kick in the teeth. But please, you know, If you can, anything you take from this, please just trust that there are lots and lots of options. There are some specialist options that, yes, will exclude um, self-harm and suicide permanently through the policy, which may be an option. And there are specialist insurers that we can look at. And as I say, it doesn't mean that it's going to cost silly amounts of money. There are many, many different routes that can be looked at. So I hope that you have found this information useful. And We've tried to just do quite a quick sort of like tidbit of information and that you can hopefully take away with you hopefully kept away from a jag as much as possible though i did i did pick up a few of the words comorbidities andrew and i'm still kind of there like it's all right <laughs> please do contact us on social media if you want to ask us about anything you know you can feel free to direct message us privately or send us emails whatever is best for you thank you really for for listening
1: yeah thanks everyone by now.